Previously on Algoa FM Breakfast. Algoa FM Breakfast. It is a Friday morning. You with Wayne Lee and Charlie T. We're getting nicely warmed up for the weekend. We've got Fastlane Friday lined up uh, for you just after 8 o'clock this morning. And of course, uh, last night, our televisions were on. You were either watching Sunrises Eastern Cape or you were flipping between that and the mm. State of the Nation address uh, in Cape Town at the City Hall. Yeah, well, among other things mentioned during the State of the Nation's address last night, the President also declared a state of disaster over the country's crippling power crisis. But what exactly does that mean? We're joined on the line by political analyst, researcher, writer and lecturer, Dr. Ongama Mdimga. Dr. Mdimga, thank you so much for agreeing to chat to us, especially at such short notice and in the middle of your school run. Good morning to you, Lee, Wayne and Charlie. Thank you for having me. Dr. Mdimka, let's get straight to it. What does a state of disaster mean? I mean, what are the details from a governance or processes point of view? How does it differ from when we're not in a state of disaster? Declaring a national state of disaster allows the minister to make temporary regulations for as long as that state of disaster lasts to be able to do certain things without following the standard due procedure. Uh, Sometimes it even goes to the extent of abrogation of certain rights, so that uh, uh, rights to free movement, for example, in a given disaster, you may be asked to use different roads and all of that uh, in the most extreme. But I think what is envisaged with this ESCOM one is to allow uh, both ESCOM and government to be able to do some things a lot faster, uh, not bound by some of the regulations around, for example, environmental management, tender processes, as well as, say, um, money allocations. Even uh, it, it, it appears to me that even that regulatory framework around tariffs uh, seems to be in, in the, within the sides of the president in terms of what needs to be done. But obviously, we still have to go read the specific regulations that have been published. What does this mean for us as citizens on the ground? How, how are we impacted? Two things. On the positive side, it means there can be a greater sense of urgency to resolve the problem. This is very important because if you remember, the presentation of the ESCOM board and chief executive uh, to parliament gave the impression that it was going to be a slow business as usual approach to resolve road shedding only by 2025. So uh, with uh, the declaration of a state of disaster, some of the things can be expedited to bring quicker relief. On the negative side, though, it does mean that precisely because you have created a waiver for some of the regulations whose intentions are to protect us as the public from embezzlement of funds, among other things, as well as protecting the environment, we may find a state of disaster creates the framework for... Uh, those very same things that we try to prevent with the ordinary laws to actually uh, happen, as we saw with the COVID-19 disaster funding. But what gives a little bit of comfort is the fact that the Auditor General is going to be roped in right from the start to ensure that, one, those processes are auditable, and two, that the chances of 
um, you know, using money for unintended purposes are reduced because they will know that the auditor's gaze is, is, is there or Big Brother is watching. Mm. Mm. You mentioned uh, the money and, and, and that's my next uh, sort of point to this because the, uh, the declaration, the purpose of this act is A, assisting and protecting the public, B, providing relief to the public, C, protecting property, uh, D, preventing or combating disruption, or E, dealing with destructive nature and other effects of the disaster. You mentioned at the start of our chat is that it pretty much opens up the bank account now. The last time we were in this situation with a state of disaster was for COVID. Mm. We were in that for 750 days in South Africa and it saw money being looted. We, we started hearing about numbers of 500 billion rand disappearing. Can we trust, I know you mentioned the Auditor General is going to be involved from the start of this. Can we trust our government this time round to get it right and not to loot? Hmm. So, so that's the uh, trust today is the operative word. Hmm. We, our state is facing a credibility crisis from the head right down to the municipal level. So the answer is not. That's notwithstanding, however, I'd be very keen to say we'll try a state of disaster and it doesn't achieve what we want rather than preclude it and then uh, leave to regret the fact that we never tried this option. Mm. Um, yes, indeed, what brings us here are failures of leadership and, you know, leaders applying their minds. There's a sense in which the president thinks that the instrument of a state of disaster solves a leadership problem, which it does not. That he is an, a, a leader who's not decisive and is failing to act when there are conflicts, conflicts of opinions among his ministers about what's best to be done. You need leadership. And a state of disaster, unfortunately, is not going to replace the, the need to lead uh, and make tough decisions. So, 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 but uh, even with all of those reservations, I am a supporter of this process because we do have very cumbersome processes of project generation, uh, having the projects approved and, uh, and, and commissioned in South Africa. Um, and, and the reason why, there's a reason why dictatorships succeed better when it comes to driving projects that are necessary for crisis situations. But also there's a reason why, for example, Naomi Klein has called uh, coined the term of disaster capitalism, because it's not uncommon in periods of disaster to have coalitions of politicians and private business people structure deals that are mutually beneficial and sometimes, in fact, detrimental to the country while leveraging a disaster situation. So we have uh, tough choices here as South Africans, but I think that for the relief that this may potentially bring, I would sacrifice a little bit of, you know, uh, the normal, ordinary processes uh, for immediate relief to load shedding. We can't have a situation where only partially late in December this year, ESCOM is planning to address the problem, and then again some uh, next year, and then ultimately, and the target is 70%. So that kind of 70% energy availability factor by 2025. 20, 
that just cannot be. That cripples our economy. And, uh, and, and I mean, for cities like Kobecha and Islandan, which are very much part of your, constitu- your listenership, these are industrialized cities that cannot avoid, afford to have unreliable power supply. Does this mean we need a new minister? I mean, it was announced last night, a minister of electricity. If you look at this, a minister of electricity, it means 12 ministerial staff, at least minimum, two advisors, one DG plus staff, the DG, or rather DDGs and staff, house in Pretoria with two VIP protectors and the house in Cape Town with two VIP protectors. That's looking at an ordinary uh, minister. Are we going to see the same happen with this minister of electricity now? Is it really necessary to yeah, have that? Yeah. You see, that's, that's my problem with the president. He lied. He, he, instead of providing leadership to improve the efficiency of an existing bureaucratic structure, he likes this self-gratifying, you know, action of uh, introducing something that creates a, a make-believe situation, appearing to be doing something urgently. There is nothing that's going to... Uh, and, 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 and by the way, in addition to the costs that you are citing, then this person has got to learn the energy environment. It may well be that it's going to take one of the existing ministers. But uh, for now, it, 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 the learning also has to do with, you know, the entire intergovernmental or, or state-private uh, or state SOE relationships where there needs to be some learning. The president here needed to only ensure that through the task that he has in the presidency, he attempts to deal with this thing. For example, President Zuma had him uh, as deputy president looking at it. There's nothing wrong with him saying uh, he's got a deputy president, he's got an M&E minister in his, in his office, and then he's got administrative staff that could very well be brought in to help him become a lot more effective in leading through this crisis. I just don't like this tendency to, you know, uh, uh, shift responsibility because that's what this is tantamount to. Clear and comprehensive. That's political analyst, researcher, writer and lecturer, Dr. Ongama Mdimka. Thank you for chatting to us and please know that we now have you on speed dial, so expect a regular call for clarity <laughs> and for your educated opinion. Thank you so much, Dr. Mdimka. Only a pleasure. Algoa FM Breakfast is the business.